we're live. Um, first, man, I just want to thank you for doing this. Um, Appreciate it. As I told you, yeah, it's it's a work in progress. You're number two. Haven't released number one yet, so maybe you're number one. Who knows? <laughs> man, either way, I'd be honored. Well, like I said, man, I'm excited about this because I think what you guys are doing is really cool. And um, I just I do a quick intro here. Um, you know, Paul Heinzman with Saltwater Woody and formerly Stockyards Bank. And uh, so basically, I think you were with Stockyards for how long? Six years. Six years. And you've done Saltwater Woody now for? Since March 2nd. So almost coming up on, coming uh, up on a year. 10 months. Yeah. All right. And so Paul and I, I, was, I guess the first thing I was going to do is talk a little bit about how we met. So uh, I moved, uh, I live in Crestwood, Kentucky. I moved in next door to a guy named Scott Norton, who is, I believe, was your he was my boss yeah. He was, yeah he was your boss yeah that's right and uh and your favorite boss you love now you could probably be honest about uh, it. i still i well, it's it, you, and i trust me i know that but i will still say to this day scott norton is the reason i'm good at sales he taught me he is without a doubt the best salesman i have ever being in a room with him when he's selling it's it's insane i love scott man i i really he's a wild man neighbor the neighbor lottery. We, we moved in and, uh, you know, not only Scott, but there's a, there's a guy next on the other side of me named Chris Miller, who, and actually Scott and Chris have become pretty good friends. And Chris is a, he's a CPA and, uh, just a really good, good guy. And so Scott, makes I mean, a big I, you know, in the neighborhood. put it this way. When I moved in, we worked on our house for a month and Scott mowed my grass for me for a month. Cause I wasn't living there. So that's, that's how good a guy he is. Wow. That's classic, classic Scott fashion. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, so anyway, so I remember, uh, Scott and I, because we got to know each other, we were living next door. He said, Hey, you got to meet this guy named Paul. He's doing this really cool thing. And at the time you were, I think it was kind of a side hustle. Yep. You hadn't quite taken the jump yet. And I remember we met at, was it Heine? Heine Brothers? Quill's Coffee on Main Street. Quill's Coffee. And I remember while we were sitting there, our current attorney general, I think he was attorney general elect at the time, Daniel Cameron walked in and right, got, got yeah, the call. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. It was like all of the most important people in town, I guess, were in that coffee shop that day. And us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so obviously, I think it's interesting. I, as a matter of fact, I was looking, there's an article that I pulled up um, where, you know, kind of this idea of a rum company in bourbon country, right? In, in the, in the bourbon capital of the world. So I, what I wanted to ask you is, well, first of all, you're, we'll back up from that. You're originally from here. I mean, you're born and raised in Louisville, right? And now I know one thing I learned when I got here was high schools are a big deal around here. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, so where I came from, there were only in the city, there was only two high schools and actually now it's back to just one. And uh, so when people ask me that, you know, it was so interesting when I got here and I realized, you know, there's two things that I learned in Louisville that were really big. What subdivision do you live in and what high school did you go to? Yep. So there's so I don't think you you live in Columbus now, right? So I my, I'm part time in both. I'm in Louisville now. Gotcha. My wife is going to sound crazy. My wife lives in Columbus and I am back and forth 24 seven, basically. Gotcha. OK. Yeah. Got it. And uh, so what high school did you go to? St. X. St. X. That's like, and I think again, I'm I'm a newbie, but St. X Trinity. That's oh, the yeah. thing, right? That's the big rivalry. Major, major. And did not happen this year for the first time in how long? 
ever too too <laughs> darn long and it, yeah and like yeah derby so many things we missed out on this year is louisville as louisville people so very upsetting but it'll come back it'll come back that's yep. what matters it's i hope 2021 is better we all oh, do gosh, um, yeah. so tell me about you were at Stocker. Tell me about this whole thing, how, how this all came about. I mean, you had a really good, I know your family's been in banking for a long time. I th- it sounded, you had a great job in banking. What what possesses a guy to to leave a great great career path in banking to do this? Uh, it's a lot of risk. And, um, you know, I was approached by Matt and Fred, my two co-founders. Uh, they needed someone who would be able to, you know, leave their job and, you know, run the company while they were able to work a little bit. And then until the momentum was right, you know, they could jump on. Uh, but, um, you know, honestly, I love Stockyards Bank. And I honestly, if I wouldn't have left for Saltwater Woody, I probably would have ended my career at Stockyards Bank. But I wanted a little bit of flexibility because, again, it's a huge risk. I mean, Saltwater Woody is a speculative bet. And, um, you know, it's a huge risk to leave. Um, I say I gave up a pretty nice salary to leave, uh, but, um, it gave me freedom. My wife, as I mentioned, my wife's from Columbus, you know, she wants to move up to Columbus and I can be in Columbus with the company. I can be in South Carolina with the company. I can be in California with the company. I can be anywhere. Um, I can work anywhere as long as I can sell. Um, and that's what I'm doing. That's, that's my job is basically selling as long as I can sell somewhere. Um, that's what I love doing. And also, I, I mean, obviously this is not the reason why I left, but I hated wearing a suit and tie. Um, and now pretty much my outfits are jeans and a saltwater woody t-shirt pretty much every day. Um, or, uh, always see a salt or a saltwater woody sweatshirt or something along those lines. I'm always decked out in swag, uh, because that's, that's the brand. I love it. Um, and I obviously now yeah. it's funny. I had to wear a, I had to wear a suit and tie for a TikTok video I was making a little bit ago and putting it on was like giving me like PTSD. Like I literally, as soon as I got it on, I like ripped it off. I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. No way. Get it out of here. No, I, I get that. And it's, yeah, it's consistent with the brand too. Like just the whole, the laid back the laid back look is it works with the brand. What's your wife do? So my wife's an occupational therapist. So she actually got a job in nationwide children's, uh, which is an awesome opportunity for her career. Uh, so we couldn't pass it up. So she's there. We got an apartment there. So it's fun. We're paying two house bills, uh, which makes it just extra fun, but uh, it's uh, it's all worth it right now. You know, the thing about nationwide, my mom actually lives in canal Winchester. Oh yeah. So the history. In yeah. Yeah. What, what part of Columbus do, does she live in? Grandview. Grandview. Okay. I just remember I was up there for Christmas seeing my mom and we drove by nationwide. And I said, I, I feel like that place gets bigger. Just if every time you drive by it, it seems like some other construction projects going on at that place. It's huge. That's, I mean, all these speculative apartment buildings, they're all over the place. I get the, it, it's interesting. I mean, I started my company five years ago and, um, heck I'm talking to you in a sweatshirt. So I get like, the, good. yeah, the, uh, the laid back look and and a lot of the flexibility that goes along with it. Um, so tell me when it, talk me through a little bit about what was the process of, sure. you know, your co-founder, you know, who were your co-founders? If you want to yeah. share that, talk a little bit about how you it, go about it, it the funding. All, all the, all the, all the work was kind of done on the back end, you know, before I'd even quit my job. So we spent all of 2019, myself and, uh, you know, Matt and Fred, uh, we basically spent all of 2019, basically building the company, building the brand, building the identity, getting the supply chain in order, getting the governmental approvals, everything along those lines. And that's a lot of work. Um, and we actually had everything slated to March 24th, which was, which was going to be our first production date. 
And, I remember we uh, talked about that. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, perfect timing because that's when the whole world, you know, shut down. Um, I actually quit my job March 2nd with the anticipation of, you know, everything coming to fruition March 24th and us being ready to rock and roll. Uh, so I was like, this is great. This is perfect. This is working out great. And I said, the world shut down and not to get too much into all that craziness. But yeah, we, we panicked for a little bit. We actually had to make hand sanitizer with our base rum in the meantime. Um, gave it out to local charities, which was really cool. Uh, then in May, finally, we got product made, found a distributor in June, which was also another hurdle we had to overcome because, again, the world is still risk averse. Everyone's afraid to take risk right now. Yep. And finally, in July, July 5th, the day after Fr- 4th of July was our first day in market, which was a fun, fun, fun day. So I'm really curious. And by the way, I did think it was really interesting because the bourbon, really the alcohol industry in general, like shifted gears and started making sanitizer overnight. And that was really pretty cool to see. Yeah. And uh, so tell me now you got you. How did you know your co-founders? How'd you meet them? So it's actually kind of wild. So Matt, I actually met, um, he had a meat e-commerce business and I saw an an article about him in Insider Louisville, um, RIP. Um, and I emailed him and I said, Hey, you want to meet up for coffee? Cause I was, I, this was back when I was in business banking and I wanted to call on his business and we met up for coffee. I never got his business, but we just became friends. Like, I don't know how that happened. Like he ended up coming on my podcast, um, later and then we just started getting drinks more. And then finally he kind of said, you know, if I ever were to start everything, anything else, um, you know, I would start it with you, uh, which was really cool. And he was friends with Fred Sutherland, um, who is our third co-founder who is, uh, the founder and CEO of uh, PRG, which is a local real estate firm. Um, so he was kind of the third piece of the puzzle and Matt and he were friends and they both had the, uh, had the idea knew they wanted to start something as well. And I was kind of the third piece of the puzzle and you know, we make a great team. I, I'm the sales marketing, uh, Matt's kind of the production side of things, supply chain and Fred kind of handles all the investing uh, as well as kind of all the legal uh, stuff that you know, makes my head spin that he does very well. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. It, and it's funny. I remember what was it? Bill Gates said the currency of the 21st century was relationships. And, you know, it's so it's, true. I, I feel like you see it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about who you know and those connections. And, and what's funny too is, and I, I think you'd probably say this. And do you know Todd Pritz? I think maybe you do. My um, uh, name, not, not sound for really Forest Giant RIP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So they're really good friends. And, and, uh, you know, I remember Todd telling me one time, and it seems like something that I see a lot from people in our age group. It's, you know, this, we want to be successful. We want to do well, but we really want to work with people we like to work with, you know, and that seems like something that, and it seems like what you're saying is just like, you know, you found some guys with this saltwater Woody that you just like working with. Absolutely. We had a, seven hour we on a thursday we had a seven hour drive to north carolina and the following friday we had the seven hour drive back and we spent all night together and all morning together so basically 24 to 48 hours basically right next to each other and it was 100 percent fun the whole time i mean yeah good team very lucky very lucky to have met them and, and lucky life's to too short to work to work with people you don't like working you're right on the money um so tell me is it is it uh is it Fred that just turned fifty? You were telling me that yes, that somebody he just had 50. his birthday. He doesn't know, but he's about to get a he's about to get a birthday cake today too. So, well, yeah. we're not live. So we won't let the cat out of the bag. Exactly, not yet. <laughs> um, so tell me, you know, early on, how and I, you get as detailed as you want. Just talk to me a little bit about because you know, for me, it's like I, the way I funded my company was I had some personal funds, but I also had um, a family member that basically gave me a backstop. So I was you know, able to, and, and it's a family member that's done very well in business. So he has 
significant resources. And so he said, look, you know, I'll make you, I'll make this much money available to you that you can draw off of and then to get you rolling. So I'm curious, talk me through a little bit about how you guys went about that, like planning out how much money am I going to need to even start this thing? Yep. So we actually uh, partnered with a company in Louisville Venture First who helped us with some valuations, um, helped us with some financials, projections and everything like that. Um, and they gave us an idea of what, you know, discounted cash flow, look at what our money, look at what the company's worth in five years, discount that back to today's money, blah, blah, blah. And then they came to an idea of what we should raise. And, uh, we've been very fortunate. We, you know, we have a lot to raise. Uh, we're actually almost done with our raise right now, but, um, but we've been very fortunate. We, you know, Fred has a lot of connections in the real estate industry, um, and a lot of, you know, good relationships. And we've been able to build an, uh, an investment team of not, I want to say friends and family, um, but a lot of good connections and people who we trust and believe in. And every single person in our team, our investment team, not only you know brings money to the table, but they also bring an incredible know-how. Um, and you know, and they know they're taking a speculative bet against <laughs> American rum is not a sure thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a competitive business. Uh, but at the end of the day, everyone understands the risk and they're excited about taking it. Cause again, it's, it's a chance to be part of, uh, you know, up and growing company, uh, that makes, again, it's, it's drinking. So it's, again, it's bringing a party. Um, so we've been able to, you know, do that fundraising to get us started. And we think we have about a two to three year runway, uh, with what we have right now that'll get us, um, going. No, that's awesome. And so I'm curious, do you still work with like Venture First? Because I know one thing when you're doing a business this way, you know, you you hear phrases like cap tables and things like that to where you're keeping track of the people who have given you money and what part they own and things like that. How do you guys do that? Sure. So I'm still I'm still very close with all the guys at Venture First. Some of those guys are still my buddies. We don't like work with them now because they really helped us with the beginning sure. stages, those like rege- those uh, sorry, projections and valuations. Now we have a general counsel and obviously like I said Fred handles the majority of this investment side of things. Uh, but um, we have uh, you know our our general counsel who's able to create those cap tables, um, you know, Subscription agreements, PMO, PMAs, P- preferred PPM, yeah, preferred placement me. memorandum. Um, hey, okay. All those fun things. Um, again, all the stuff that's over my head, but that's why we, we make such a good team because we have someone on our team who can, you know, create all that good stuff for us. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's like that could almost be a show in and of itself, just going Ugh. into all the details. But I've always been, yes. you know, I've never I have never in my life been involved in a company that has, you know, multiple investors like that. And so obviously this, you know, entrepreneurial world we live in these days, there's a lot of companies being started raising money. And and I'm I remember Todd worked for a company called Make Time hmm. out of Lexington, Kentucky, that raised about eight million. I think they raised about eight million dollars when all was said and done. Wow. And I remember just talking to him a little bit about about that. And so I'm curious, as you guys have been building the company, have you? Seen, and, and one of the challenges I should I should say that he kind of found was having investors. It almost is like you end up having another group that you have to sell to in addition to customers. So yep. I'm curious. I know you're early on, but and and I'm you know I'm just curious what your opinion is on that. Just well, in the it's short selling time. an idea. I can sell bottles of saltwater woody all day long, uh, but I'm basically selling an idea and basically telling people that within five years, I'll be able to create something that is worth more than the money that we start with. And it's, you know, it's very, it's very, it's very difficult, um, you know, to be able to do that. Um, and it is tough. And obviously, you know, a lot, we get a lot of no's because again, people understand it's a speculative bet, but, um, those are the motivators. Like I can't wait to, you know, email one of my, uh, one of the investors that said no and say, Hey, by the way, we made it. 
and you missed out. Um, of course, yep. uh, but um, no, we're just it's basically convincing someone you know that you know we can I mean we some people invested before we even have products made, and those are you know very true, very um, you know dear to my heart because they took a huge risk on us. That's what I'm always going to remember. But yeah, it's it's very hard to convince someone of that of a speculative bet. Again, we all know how many startups fail, how many liquor companies fail. I mean, all the numbers are out there. Uh, but luckily, people invest in us and they believe in us, and we're gonna we're gonna deliver on that. Well, it's it's interesting you say that because I think what what I've always heard is that people invest in people more so than you know businesses. And you know, I think about my brother-in-law who I, I mentioned earlier. He he started a company in 1989 and, and has been very successful. And what's been interesting to see is that as he's sold, started, and then sold companies, um, and I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of his financial arrangements with the companies he started since, but I do know that he's had many opportunities with you know, the more successful you are, people are coming and they're saying, Hey, <laughs> you've shown that you can do this. And so we want you to do it for us. Yeah. And, uh, and he's had great opportunities to do that. So it's, you know, people invest in, it's, it's like horses, right? They bet on the winning horse. <laughs> when a horse wins, they get the money. It gets more bets. And yep. That's right. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, why rum? So yeah, we get that question all the time, but rum has, hasn't had its day in America. You know, rum is a huge uh, market in the U S uh, but most people don't think of it as American, uh, which is kind of a shame because rum is America's spirit. It was the first spirit distilled in America. Paul Revere was drunk on rum when he did his famous ride. Uh, you know, in the early 1800s, people were drinking liters of rum by the week. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Um, the data shows that people were drinking rum like crazy. You know, the the people who did the the Boston Tea Party, uh, the Sons of Liberty, most of them were tavern owners, all selling rum. I mean, I can tell you story after story about why rum is so important to America's history. And I could even make an argument that 1776, the American Revolution was fought over rum. Uh, uh, but I won't bore you with all those history details. Um, but rum right now, you know, vodka has had its craft rum, uh, craft American phase. You know, Rush, vodka yep. used to be Russian. But now there's the Deep Eddies, there's the Tito's, they've had its craft vodka. Um, there hasn't been a craft rum. There's uh, Rum is seen as very Caribbean and very beachy. And now we're very beachy, but we're anti-pirate. Um, you know, people want that Americans, you know, South Carolina, you know, South Carolina, South, Southern California, they want that feel. And because I love that feel, I love, you know, feeling like I'm at the beach, feeling like, you know, it's just a lazy day that I can just relax and have a drink. And I think rum is that drink and people forget that rum is the world's best mixer. Again, it's made to be mixed. And all we did was mix it with real fruit juice and cut its proof of salt water to make it even better. Uh, and we think it's going to be the next big thing. No, that's that's really interesting. And you're right. And you know, what's funny is even, even bourbon, bourbon's gotten real deep into the flavoring, you oh know, like God. you got Evan Williams, honey and cherry and all of it. And, uh, now it's interesting. I, and by the way, when I'm looking over here, just so you, I'm right, I'm taking notes. I hope it doesn't seem like, no, I'm, cause see, I'm please, 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 please. Yeah. Uh, cause I want to make sure that I get, this is all so good. And, um, so tell me about the name. Yep. How did the name? Happen? So saltwater, of course, because we're country proof with saltwater. Uh, but the Woody is actually our mascot. So if you look, actually, I do have a bottle here. If you look on the bottle, you see that um, kind of Woody um, convertible there. Yep. Um, and that's that, Chry that's that Chrysler LeBaron. Uh, and there's a lot of different car convertible uh, Woodies out there, but that have that nickname. Uh, but we actually have that car, so we have that in you know in my partner's uh, in my partner's garage. Oh, we love that feel. You know, just imagining driving down you know Route Zero. Um, top down with a surfboard in the back and just driving down, not a care in the world. And like spring break in the 1970s, we want to go back to that moment, transport us back to you know senior year spring break, and that's what we're here for. We think that car yeah. is there. That's awesome. Um, so tell me, I'm curious about like how did you? I mean, obviously you don't have a facility making this, so talk me through a little bit of the, about 
because I know, for example, I know there are a lot of what they call um, in bourbon, they call them, what, what do they call them? Like virtual brands, which are like bourbon brands that get done through contract production, essentially. Yep. Through like, I think producers like MGP in Indiana. That, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yep. So we get our con- we get ours contract distilled for us uh, by Flo- uh, in Florida to our specifications. Um, and that's with Florida molasses. So American, it's uh, distilled in the coastal south. Uh, so American craft rum from Florida. And then that all comes to Crestwood, Kentucky, right in your neck of the woods, uh, where then it's blended for eight hours and then bottled. So in Crestwood, that's where like the salt water comes in. That's where the, uh, the grapefruit juice comes in. That's where all that uh, fun stuff comes in, gets blended, uh, and then comes out there. So yes, we don't have a specific facility. We kind of contract it all out to get there. Uh, but obviously it's our recipe, our blend, our rum, our, uh, grapefruit juice, all that good stuff, which gets, uh, blended and bottled into into the world. Now, given the fact that rum hasn't really had its day, as you say, which I agree with, was it hard to find a contract to still a contract partner to so, produce? Surprisingly, uh, and, and let me just say this: I don't mean to interrupt you, but the reason yeah. I'm asking that question is I remember talking to Cave with Rabbit Hole in the early, early days of Rabbit Hole, and he was talking about how difficult it was to get a contract to even find in bourbon because it had become so big that the contract, in and of itself, just finding somebody let alone building your own place, just finding someone to make it was really hard. So you're, you're right. And bourbon, the difference with bourbon is it's aged. Yeah, um, so it's getting put in. The nice thing with rum is it can be made fairly quickly. That's why it was so popular in America. So back, you know, in the early 1700s, it was something that could be made pretty easily. And, you know, people even made it lazily. They just leave it sitting out in the sun or in a still and just, it would just right. make itself. Cause just, you know, it's just sugar fermenting. Um, but, um, luckily rum is a little bit easier. Now the hard thing is finding American rum. So I could find contract rum from all over the world, but again, finding true American rum is a little bit harder. Uh, but we pride ourselves being in a hundred, a 100 percent uh american brand uh which we're very proud of um so from the bottle to the label to you know whatever uh, it's all 100 percent american so finding that american rum is pretty tough uh but we've done that and we've created that we've uh put our own spin on it too got it got it so tell me what the long-term plan is the long-term um project out incredible success are you guys going to build a facility to make your own product is that the plan and we, then have we would love to like a lot um, of the other Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough question. Um, you know, we'd love to, you know, potentially partner with a larger brand that could help us, you know, grow exponentially. You know, we'd love to, you know, keep everything to ourselves and build the story one day. Um, it truly, truly just depends on what this, what the, what the landscape looks like in three or three to five years. Uh, because you know, we, we anticipate breaking even, you know, within about one to two years, you know, we anticipate also uh, a huge demand for this product that we're going to create. Um, so if everything goes well, you know, we'd love to have a distillery, you know, we'd love to have a place where I can have an office and, you know, be above the still and, you know, be able to give tours. We'd love to be able to do that. Um, but the interesting thing is it's, it's all about capital, right? Like if I had $20 million to spend, would I spend it building a story or would I spend it, you know, putting back into the company to grow the actual brand? Um, it's a tough question. Um, luckily I don't have $20 million, so I don't have have to answer that question. (laughs) Right. Uh, but, um, you know, with, with immense success comes a lot of questions and, you know, whether it be looking to a partner to, you know, partner with like a large, a large brand to, you know, help us, you know, navigate some, um, some, uh, national and international growth or whether it be, you know, keeping everything in, in, in house and, you know, um, growing, growing that brand, you know, we can do that, but, um, we'll see. I mean, honestly, I, I just hope we're successful enough where I, I'm having to answer Definitely. this question. Right. <laughs> so the bottom line is it's focuses on building the brand, building sales, and, and the then we'll see come. where that, see yeah. where that takes. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, Tell me, 
let's talk about swag for a second. Yeah. And and I was going to roll back and say, okay, you started effectively, if my math's right, and I did go to public school, uh, <laughs> four months, about four months late. Your launch was intended for end of March, so about oh, yeah. three months, I guess, and early July. As you sit here talking to me today, how how do you feel about it? Are you where you hope to be? Are you a little ahead, a little behind? Sure. So I would say, you know, given like the 2019 projections, uh, we're not where we wanted to be. But given our current, given our summer projections before we had launched, we are way beyond where we should be. Um, every craft brand in America is struggling. Every craft spirits brand in America is struggling. Like, like I'm talking way down. People talk about right now spending in the industry and they say it's way up. Everyone's drinking, right? So everyone, you must be doing well. So what are we must be doing well? Well, at the end of the day, there's two very interesting pieces about that. One, people are buying brands that they know. That's buying their Tito's, they're buying their Jack Daniels, and they're buying the cheapest and the most expensive. So not, not that we're the not we're not the cheapest, but we're pretty inexpensive. I mean, we're under we're under twenty dollars, so it's like it's again it's an attractive price point uh, for any any consumer. Uh, but at the end of the day, the the craft brands were hurt by spending because no one is taking a risk on their buying habits in a liquor store. They're buying what they know, and typically brands like us are made in the on premise. Like technically speaking, we shouldn't even be selling in liquor stores. We should all just be focusing hundred percent on bars and restaurants because that's where people try our product. But at the end of the day. Bars and restaurants aren't there. Closed. And then yeah. I need to be doing tastings. I need to be at Total Wine. I need to be at Kroger, you know, doing tasting after tasting after tasting. Well, guess what? Nowhere's doing tastings right now because of COVID. So the two biggest ways for us to grow aren't there, um, which makes it really tough. But the nice thing is we've still managed to have a ton of success um, in the state of Kentucky, which has been, you know, a total game changer for us, which we've loved. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, we've definitely, you know, again, we couldn't have predicted COVID and obviously, you know, we'd already been, we had, we would already be in a couple of new States now, but everything got delayed and then everything shut down. So definitely not where we thought we'd be versus, you know, in relation to 2019 projections, but in terms of dealing with COVID and success in COVID, we've definitely blown our competition out of the water. Got it. So, and a really quick side question. Does, do you have to get into each state individually yeah. without going too deep? So is that, okay. Yeah. Oh give me God, a little bit a of a, Yeah. So it's like, what's the terminology? You have to get licensed? To every be in a state, state well, every state's different. So if it were a control state, I'd have to be approved by a state. If it's a certain state, I might have to get a certain state license, or I might have to get approved with the Department of Revenue, or I might have to get approved with the product state product registration online. I mean, there's no similar terminology in any of these states. They're all different. They're all the tiers are different. All the I mean, it's 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 crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Now I know. Didn't was it was it just Kentucky that just passed a law that allows liquor to be shipped? Yeah, is that only within the state of Kentucky? Is that so? How there is the, I've, definitely the state of Kentucky, but also and there's a lot of legislation on that, so it's still it's still new. It's still like a lot of a lot of stuff on that. But there's certain states that have reciprocity, so certain states allow the shipment of liquor into the state. And again, it just keeps going back to every state's different. Like some states don't allow anything to come in the state. Some states do. Some states allow you to ship to, but not from. And all these, I mean, it's just outdated laws from the early 1900s from prohibition. Got it. No one's changed them yet. Yeah. And then so if you're carried by a distributor that, they will only distribute your product in the states where you're allowed to be distributed, right? Correct. Is that kind of how it works? So, and okay. every gotcha. distributor is state-specific. So, RNDC, even though it's a national brand, there's RNDC Kentucky, there's RNDC Got Indiana, it. there's RNDC Georgia. They're all, It's again, it's like a hierarchy. There's like the national company up the here and below company, there. There's, yeah. Exactly, yep. Yep, okay. Got it. Um, so then, 
I've always wondered. So we'll, we'll now we'll get the train back on the tracks with with swag a little bit. So your your primary function is sales. So Correct. tell me a little bit about just talk to me about the structure of selling spirits because as I understand it, I'll tell you what I'll I'll try to give you my understanding of how it works, and then I want you to correct me. So you got the distributor, and everybody who's carrying the product has to buy it from a distributor, but you effectively yep. have to create a pull through market for that to happen. Is that? Yep. So there are three, there's three people I have to market to. I one have to make sure my distributor likes me and wants to sell our product. Then I have to make sure the bars, restaurants, and liquor stores like me and actually take on our product. But then I also have to make sure they're pushing our product. Cause again, a bar can just put me on the shelf. That's not going to do me any good. I want to make sure the bartenders are talking about us. And again, I can get on a liquor store shelf. That didn't do me any good. I want some displays. I want, I want to do tastings. I want to go wild. Uh, but then all that stuff could be great, but then I need to make sure there's consumers actually going to buy it. So then I have to go, and again, most brands don't spend a lot of money on this, but basically you have to go to consumers and say, hey, have you heard of Star Wars or Woody? You haven't? We'll go do some work because you need to try it. And that's the tastings, right? That, that's part and of what the tastings do, you know, Social media, TikTok, sure. all that good stuff. You can play all those games. The hard thing is, and ads, but the hard thing is ads are kind of tough for consumers because what was the last time you saw an ad for a liquor brand and got off the couch and said, hmm, I'll go to a liquor store right now and buy that. Right. It doesn't happen. Got it. So the typical model is kind of like you said, it's this gradual build where you're doing tastings. Um, you're, you're probably offering some free product to bars and restaurants to say, you know, and I think, and this actually goes back to some of, so we did the, and this was your idea. I don't, I won't take credit for it, but the V rod oh, was yeah. something that you did. So that's what that, tell me how you, so now that we've kind of talked about the background of the company, mm -hmm. talked a little bit about how you sell, tell me a little bit about how you view swag. And I know you've, you've used us for some of it. You use some other places for some of it. Sure. How does swag work in your plan to reach? And I think I've got it. The three people that you're after distributor bars, liquor stores, restaurants, and consumers essentially. Yeah. And obviously there's limitations because of COVID on a lot of that. So talk to me about the role that swag plays for well, you guys. Swag, again, swag for a brand is even bigger, but it's also in bigger in non-COVID times because, again, I want to make sure my bartenders are wearing my shirts. I want to make sure bartenders have my V-Rods. I want to make sure bartenders are happy, and I want to make sure I have giveaways for consumers when I'm at festivals and parties and things like that. But some of those things aren't happening. Um, so it's all about getting creative. So it's all about, again, we've kind of more focused on like the liquor store side of things. So we've done like displays like corrugated displays wooden displays and things like that um but swag is so important for a brand like ours because again it's consumer awareness and actually the biggest thing is having soft swag like we want good soft shirts that people like the like bartenders like to wear people like to wear because then they're actually going to wear it and support your brand um out in the market and it also has to look good obviously you know we're lucky we have really cool branding so ours it, ours does well and actually it's right behind me i'm, I'm actually using have your flag yeah the flag my tiktok and uh, and my zoom background for everything um y'all designed a flag for me but um it's all about i think in our and now in covid and non-covid times it's all about just doing the regular stuff hoodies sweatshirts t-shirts all that good stuff but right now it's all about being creative um and it's easier said than done. I would also say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So in the liquor stores, when you do like a, by the way, I've always wondered like, you know, it's hard um, when you think about the fact, do you have to cash flow? I assume you guys have to cash flow the display, like anything that you decide as far as displays, you got to cover that cost, right? The liquor store exactly. will give you the ability to put it up, but you got to cover the cost of it. Is that right? Yep. I will buy, I will buy basically like a hundred displays. I'll give them to my distributor and say, Hey distributor, can you guys try to get these in liquor stores? Or I can go to the liquor store and say, Hey, can you guys put this in your shelf, please? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all, it's all hundred percent me paying for it. And then the hard thing is things get lost in translation. Again, if I, I can drop it off a liquor store and I can show up two weeks later and it's still in the box, hasn't been unpacked, hasn't been put out. 
or I'd, I'd set it up and then some other distributor might have moved it. Some other rep might have, you know, knocked it down. Again, it's a dog eat dog world out there. So again, and just because you have it doesn't mean it's guaranteed. Well, see, that's interesting because I've always wondered, like, you know, when I go to a, I don't know, like a Chili's or a World of Beer or something, and I sit down and have dinner, and then, you know, maybe you sit down at the bar and you order a beer or something, and you look, and there's the coaster, the thing that they put napkins in, or the, um, the bar rail mat, the, you know, or whatever, and you're always like, you know, I'm in that business, so my eyes are drawn to products with logos on it, but I've always been like, how does that work? Who buys it? How does it get here? And so it sounds to me like the brands are buying it. Yep. They're giving it to the distributors that can then give it to the restaurants or the liquor stores or and whoever. To, and typically the bars and restaurants and liquor stores know they can get that whenever they want it. So like if I'm a bar and I need coasters, I'm just going to go to my Southern or RDC rep and say, hey, can you guys give me coasters? And they're happy to do it because they want to make sure that they're pushing in front of the cup. Oh my gosh, you need coasters. I'll give you coasters here. I have some from a supplier. Boom. Here you go. Um, right. So yeah, it's usually the bar and restaurant asking for it. Um, and then kind of going from there as well. Yeah. So I'm, when we sat down originally, um, and Scott introduced us and said, Hey, I think Lana can help you guys and, and Goodson can help you guys. You hadn't bought a lot of swag up before that. I don't think your role at Stockyards dictated that you did much. of that, <laughs> Not right? really. And so tell me a little bit about just, now talk about, I just want to get your feedback kind of on my company and my brand. Like what was Absolutely. it that kind of like, the, I, you gave us some opportunities in the beginning. And I know we haven't done as much maybe uh, because of some of the delays and some of those kind of things. And I'm certain we'll have opportunity to more in the future. But like, what was it about, hey, I, th- this looks like these guys would probably do a good job for me. Well, again, I'm also pretty big on relationships. Um, so sitting down with you and also meeting with you and talking with you was, uh, you know, a big, a big plus for us. Cause that's, that's kind of, you know, of course the name of the game. Uh, but then also I appreciated that you guys were straightforward on your proposals. Um, so I think within, you know, a couple of days of me sitting down with you, I told you what we were kind of looking for and you had sent us a full proposal with pricing, with, uh, mock-ups of everything we were hoping to get, which was, um, you know, pretty dynamite. Exactly. I mean, obviously exactly what we're looking for. Um, and again, this was before I even knew anything. Um, so again, it was just very helpful having, you know, something, someone to be able to navigate that with. Good. And I know we've done uh, just a handful of things, but tell me, I mean, obviously the quality has been what you've been looking for. T- just tell Top me a notch. little bit about how, well, yeah, I still how have, you I still have, well, one, I still have the flag behind me, but also still have the V rods. Um, still got basically everything. Um, because again, some of the things I wish I could give out more, but COVID of course. Yep. Um, but yep. yeah, still fantastic. Um, and actually, um, I can speak to some of the bartenders that do have our V rods and they still keep them in their back pocket and still last. So top notch, top notch quality. Have you been running into other people doing the V rods or are you still one of the only ones? I very rarely do because they're so much more expensive. Um, so most brands aren't going to do it, but that's why we're also, you know, we're stingy about giving them out too. So we yeah. want to make sure we give them to the right people. Now, when you do these displays, so, so living in the world we're living in now where you're not able to do these festivals and the tastings and different things, I know that you have the website where people can buy uh, some of the swag there. But with respect to some of these like displays and things that you're putting up, how are you giving away the swag now? Like if, if you have a display up, are you, is there something people taking some kind of ticket to enter something online and then maybe you send so, something? How are you doing it? Some of the swag gets sold online and that's through a kind of a print on demand service. But a lot of our, like any swag we have now is mainly just for the bars and restaurants. Like gotcha. if it's a good bar restaurant, I'll go in, I'll have one on my, I'll have one slinged over my shoulder and I'll just be like, Hey, you guys need some of this? Here you go. Uh, but then it gets awkward yeah. too because I'll only bring like one like piece of swag or something, and there's like five people there, and they're like, "Oh, can you guys bring me back some?" I'm like, "Oh, poop." Okay, sure. Because sometimes it gets thrown away. You just want to make sure you get the bang for your buck, and I'm really stingy. So, 
I shouldn't yeah. be for my for my for my position. What's now, it looks like, and I don't want to speak too soon, but I feel a little encouraged by some of the trends that I'm seeing with just around the country. And it seems oh. like, oh, um, no. how, how do you feel about that? Do you agree um, with that? I still? mean, honestly, it's so weird. Um, and also, is my did my camera shut off? Can you see me? I, you are frozen. Yeah, I just wasn't gonna. But oh. yeah, I can still hear your. You audio. can hear me. Okay, just making sure you can still hear me. But um, it's a great picture of you, though. You're smiling. It's oh, great. that's all. That's all that matters. Uh, but, um, but, um, no, so it's so interesting, you know, if you, it's all about where you are in the country and I hate, I'm not, I not going to get political in any way, but you know, no, uh, two markets we're looking into are South Carolina and Florida. Um, and in South Carolina, there's some bars we've talked to that are having their best year in like the last decade. And it's like, why is that? Well, people are leaving Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana to go there um, because, you know, not that COVID doesn't exist there. But again, it's just not as, it's not as forefront. People don't want to be thinking about a deadly virus. People want to be thinking about, you know, togetherness people want to think about fun um so again it's just an it's just nice escape down there or like the performance of indiana restaurant i mean you know when exactly yeah it was just like everybody was jumping across the border you know sneaking across the border to go to a restaurant and it's still happening um but you know we're uh, i'm very positive you know a lot of people are getting vaccinated right now and again I think when this is all over, saltwater, it's going to, we always joke 2021 is the year of the Woody. I mean, we are just going to be, once we can party, once we go out to bars, once people can stay out till four in the morning, we are just going to be in great shape. And I just can't, can't freaking wait. You know, what's interesting about it is that most companies, and I mean, you know, I said this to Todd early on and, and I, I, you'll probably understand what I'm getting at, but most people think that starting a company is about a product or a service and customers. It is, obviously. But one thing that I feel like you did well early on and something I never really have done is what I would call like building a coalition around something. And, <laughs> and, and you know, it's because like when I saw Todd with Make Time in Lexington and I've seen other companies, what happens when you get investors is you get other people in the boat that are invested or, uh, I mean, obviously invested, but, but have an interest in it being successful. And so now all of a sudden you're not the only one paddling, right? You got other people paddling, whether yep. they're, you know, involved all day, every day or not. And I think that's, that's interesting because you've, you've got this team of people and it's growing because you've got other investors. And then what starts to happen is even when you encounter challenge, you got more people that are interested in saying, Hey, how do we pivot? How do we you know, how do we make sure that we don't lose our investment is essentially what people and I'm not saying that's the case. But sure. in the final, you know, the final point, I want you to respond to that. But then, the, you know, because and the reason I brought that up is it's interesting. Most companies, they'll raise money and it's sort of this, you know, everything's great. Everything's going to be super successful and they encounter challenge later. You've done it in reverse. You guys <laughs> encountered challenge <laughs> out of the game. challenges. Yeah. So, so go ahead. I apologize. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, some people, it takes like three years for them to get their footing. It takes, you know, time to understand all these things. And I've had to, I mean, it's, it's, I call it the school of hard knocks. I mean, we've had the school of hard knocks where I've had to, every sale we got is because I scraped by and not begged, but, you know, used my sales ability to the best of my ability and, you know, tried to get sales. And, you know, we've had a lot of success. And that's why we're able to grow. But we keep telling ourselves like, well, yeah, once this is all over, it's like, what are what are problems even going to look like? Problems where we, we run out of product, which has happened, but again, I'll happily run out of product if it's go to bars and restaurants and to go to liquor stores, um, and I'll happily um, you know do anything I need to. But I feel like all the work I'm doing right now is extra in addition to any work I would have been doing um, you know without COVID. But yeah, so once this is all over, um, you know we're budgeting for you know really really exciting times uh, with Saltwater Woody. So, uh, but it's prepared us for the future. I mean, I, I'm again, I think you know 
diamonds are made under pressure. And I think I'm slowly becoming a diamond right now because I'm under a lot of darn pressure. It's <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, started five years ago in this and I think about even just, and again, I'm small and I don't have a, a outside investors. So, um, but it's, it is interesting sometimes when you look back and you think, man, if someone would have told me the road would have looked like this, I don't, I don't know if I'd have traveled it, you know, I, I, just, I yep. just don't know, but you kind of just, uh, encounter things and deal with them. And, um, I think it's, I think it's awesome. And, and, and what's cool is that you guys have been able to be successful in spite of it. And then, like you said, I think with the, some of the things that are converging, like vaccines, et cetera, um, some of these things, yeah, some of these things are going to start to open up again. And, and, and if you've been, you know, if you've been successful in difficult circumstances, there's no reason to believe you can't be really successful in different circumstances. Like, and, uh, that's great. Actually, I was going to tell you, Brett Kavanaugh, not the honorable, not the Supreme court, Brett Kavanaugh, your employer, my, my, you, employee, he, yeah, yeah. you employ him. You are that's the right. employer of him. Yeah. Right. And actually, yeah. On a, on a side note, he, he ended up getting some interview. We can talk about this another time, but he was doing some inside edition and stuff because he tweeted oh, out. It's a terrible time to be named Brett Kavanaugh. And it like went viral. And, um, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But he told me the other day, he's like, you know what? And it's funny. Um, I think Brett, I may have pulled him in and he's helped you with some things too. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. And he said that his wife, and this is not a shameless you know, plug or, or compliment, but like he said that his wife tried the product and it's her favorite rum. She loves Woo-hoo! it. So, yeah. Heck yeah. And, uh, I like to hear. So, so we got to figure out a way to get some of the product. I guess I just go to my local liquor store and, uh, and it's pick there. it up. But, yeah. Um, well, Hey man, I want to respect your time and, and, uh, get off here. We're getting close to about co- closing in on 45 well, no, minutes. Dude, I, so. well, I absolutely love it. And I, pre- I appreciate it too. Appreciate everything you guys have done for us. And, uh, yeah, I really, really, really appreciate everything. This is, this has actually been a, well, it's been pretty cool. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Thank you again for taking the time to do it. And uh, I'm excited to see what the next year holds for you guys and how we can be a part of it. Same. And uh, obviously wish you nothing but success. Heck yeah, I wish I could wave. I think I'm still, I think I'm still a black screen. <laughs> You're still frozen, but I, I, I you can, can tell I'm waving here, but again, thank you again, buddy. And I uh, can't wait to see when this comes out and I can't wait to listen as well. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks.